1: This is Metal Mike, and I gotta ask, who's ready for some 1992 rock and metal? I know we are. I'm joined by my buddy Ryan, and we go through a top 10 from this righteous year. A lot of rock and metal was on its way out, but they were still kicking some ass. And also, my project Rock Soldiers has a new song, Never Give It Up. It's out now on all the streaming platforms. Make sure you go and check it out. Well, now it's time to time travel back to 1992. Enjoy well Ryan welcome back to the 80s glam metal cast how are you doing man I'm great man
0: thanks for having me again
1: well I heard that 1992 is your year man this is your favorite year for the hard rock and heavy metal scene am I right
0: I was born for this interview <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like
0: unbelievable uh, this this is exactly the year where I could just go off. So if you, if you feel like doing a top 50, I'm, I'm happy to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know about that one, I think, I think the misconception, you know, for a lot of people, maybe if you weren't alive during this period or you you checked out, is like, the metal was completely over, you know? And it really was far from the truth. It may be, once again, same thing with 1991. It may have been dipping a little bit in sales. You know, grunge was coming out and uh, thrash was getting really big. So so our buddy, you know, our hair metal uh, heroes were, were kind of slipping a little bit. But one thing that happened during this era, and see if you agree with me on this, is I think. That like grunge and thrash metal gave like hair metal a kick in the ass, and then in turn you found these bands kind of getting heavier than they were before. You when you look at albums like Dog Eat Dog or you look at Kiss Revenge, you know that those styles were giving these bands that were out before kind of like a kick. What do you think?
0: Oh yeah, I agree. Warrant is the perfect example. You could see how they their debut to Cherry Pie to Dog Eat Dog. It made a serious effort to get heavier on each album. Yeah. So I totally agree. So it was it was part of them kind of wanting to appeal to their fans at first and record companies, and then they noticed styles changing. And next thing you know, you got a dog eat dog or whatever. Yeah,
1: totally agree. Yeah, and you know, like we talked about with Danger, Danger. In the 1991 episode A lot of bands were kind of making the wrong album And they didn't know it A couple that come to mind are like Slaughter's The Wildlife and Firehouse uh, Hold Your Fire um, You know, Probably the label was telling them Hey guys, th- that debut was amazing We need another one of those So that's what they're giving them But in the meantime, everything's changing And there's no way to stop and, and react to this thing It's kind of like you just have to move forward So looking back, people may enjoy those albums today But they, when they came out I think they were totally the wrong album for the time
0: yeah that was unfortunate it may have taken him a year to record it and in that year boy did things change
1: <laughs> right and one album that <laughs> topped the list of 1991 for me was the black album and i think what the black oh, yeah. album did is we were talking about pushing maybe glam bands to get heavier it made thrash bands kind of get lighter if you know what i'm saying if you look at albums that came out uh, in 92, everybody has kind of scaled down their sound, whether it be Testaments, The Ritual, uh, Countdown to Extinction with Megadeth. Uh, I think the next year you'll get uh, I Hear Black by Overkill. So everybody kind of toned down and wanted their own version of the Black album. Once again, could have been by labels, <laughs> encouragement, but but a lot of people toned mm-hmm. down after the Black album.
0: I never really thought of that, but I I was going to use, right when you said it, I was going to use Testament as the example of that exactly. Um Totally makes sense. All right,
1: well, we got a lot to cover. This is your year. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if it's my favorite year of music, but I, this might be one of my favorite lists that I've ever put together. So maybe it is one of my favorite years, and I just didn't realize it. But when I look at this list, <laughs> this is like my. These are my jams, man. These are my bands. Like some of my favorite bands with some of their best albums. So yeah, I'm, I might be with you on '92.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of snuck up on me too a few years ago as I realized all these. I preach the most.
1: Damn, they all came out ninety two. How cool! Yeah. So yeah, wow. pretty wow. awesome. Let's hear your number fifty. I mean ten. <laughs> uh, seriously. All right. Well, number ten.
0: Like That's what I am. For me, death, Leopard <laughs> adrenalized, adrenalized. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm, I'm kicking off ninety two with such a giant, you know, number one on the charts beast of an album it just to me it just shows how good this year was for hard rock albums I mean Death Leopard's probably my number two after ACDC right you know I mean o- over the years they've really really grown on me and here they are at number 10 on the list nice. so um you know this this phase of Death Leopard was marked with tragedy yet again uh, passing of Steve Clark in 91 mm-hmm. um they did get Vivian Campbell on guitar for that so that's that was a huge positive for them but they recorded this album as a a four piece i think there's some steve clark on there still but um in the interviews i've read and the videos i've seen i I think phil had to attempt to play like steve and it it was really hard for him obviously they were best friends so it was a a trying album even if you look at the inner sleeve there's not a smile on their face Mm -hmm. you know so but still um They wanted to release something faster than they did between Pyromania and Hysteria. But again, this took five years. They did have a a little place filler in there with Retroactive, which is a really cool album of demos and um, re-records. So they have that in there to appease the fans. But this album is a much more polished album. Um, They went with the Hysteria recipe again, but it was even more polished than Hysteria. Uh, So it kind of... Bums some fans out, but uh, I still really love it, obviously. Uh, Some of the standouts is Heaven Is, Personal Property, I Want to Touch You, and then Tear It Down is the song they came out with um, right around the end of Hysteria that they played live on some MTV things to show them. Hey, we already got new music coming out. Expect a new album after Hysteria within the first few years. But, of course, Steve passed away, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, that's my number 10.
1: Nice, as you know, I'm not a huge Death Leopard fan, and I, and I I have to throw this out there. Let's get rocked, man. I hate that song. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I hate that song. Um, but um, and, and I can't I can't come around to it even today. Like I I just no, I can't do that song. But. Um, I only know really the singles. I, I don't know if I've ever heard this album in, in its uh, in full, but I definitely think uh, you know, like "Make Love Like a Man" and, uh, and "Have You Ever Needed Somebody So Bad" or whatever. Those, those aren't bad songs. So I mean, I feel like they're okay songs. It's pretty much death, you know, what you want from Death Leopard, So it seems like a good effort. But yeah, let's get rock, man. I, I just had to throw a little shame on that one. I can't deal <laughs> with that. And the video is real stupid too. <laughs>
0: I, I don't even know if they're playing that song live anymore. I read somewhere that they don't. So, I don't know. Maybe they don't like it either. (laughs) Maybe they don't like it either. I don't know.
1: Well, I got something on the complete different end of the spectrum for my number 10. Okay. I got to go Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power, man. This was groundbreaking. This was next level, you know. Like, I had Cowboys from Hell, thought that was cool. But this just was like, it, it was in your face. And everybody else was getting on board with it. Not, it wasn't just like a, a underground thing. Like this got really big, and this really changed thrash metal, heavy metal. It, it was so good, man. The four guys, Phil, Dime, Vinny, and Rex. What a perfect combination of of uh, people in a band. And you got you know Mouth for the War, New Level, Walk. By demons be driven. It's just a kick ass album. What's I must admit, I've got it low because it's not one that I go to all the time. Uh, especially as I'm, I, hey, I hate to say, it, but as I'm getting older, man. You know, I'm like I don't. I'm not saying I sit around and listen to easy listening, but I don't listen to as much wicked heavy stuff as I used to. But uh, not long ago, I put this on and listened to it, and I was like, you know, I was getting back into it, man. I was back in '92 and, and feeling the love. So great, great, influential album.
0: Even I like this album. And and this kind of shit scares me. You know what I mean. <laughs> <Right. So> like, <laughs> yep. I, yep. I I like it, and, and I think it goes right along with what you were saying about the black album may have changed things for the yeah. heavier bands. You know, so but not for if these. This guys. album appeals <laughs> to me. It yeah. If this album appeals to me, then you know they're doing something right in their in their recipe of catchy songs. Yeah, not so, the catchy. You know, but Yeah. I,
1: yeah but i think i think what what pantera did with kind of the opposite of what everybody did i think they got heavier and that was kind of the norm for like thrash bands you always wanted your next album to be heavier where like like i said testament and and uh, some of the other bands were scaling back uh i think pantera was moving forward but once again still with some good songwriting sensibility there you go excellent well what do you got for nine number nine heavy bones oh yeah i forgot about this one yeah but i okay all right yeah this is a good album
0: this is good <laughs> so i know you have your, your feelings towards the singer which i think a lot of people do to be honest mm-hmm. i've I followed him on social media and he's quite the character but you know i'm taking it as a kid buying this album going damn this is good back in 92 so heavy bones self titled we got joe ellis he's a uh, Fresh off of Cats and Boots is um, half Japanese, half American band. Yep. Got Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot and Wasp on drums. And I was going to ask you if he played Wasp in Wasp after this band. I couldn't remember.
1: Um, and, I, and I
0: bet you'd know. I
1: don't think so. I think it was before. I think it was just for the head of okay. the children. And I think he played on um, the Crimson Idol but didn't do the tour. So that, if that helps. Okay. I
0: don't know. <laughs> Answer my question. Yep. And you got Gary Hoey on guitar, and he's, he's released a string of instrumental CDs since then. But um, you got Joel Ellis's voice. He's got one of those, like, just thick, raspy range, great live. I've watched a few of his Captain Boots concerts live, and a few uh, the, a few of the real bootleggy, heavy bone stuff. And damn, his voice is, really stands up live. He's, he's, he's just excellent. Um, he loved Captain Boots, and he doesn't really speak too highly of this album. Maybe right. it was just the band, he didn't get along very well with those guys or something, but I think it's a really cool, diverse, great hard rocker. Um, you, you got songs like Hands That Speed. 4 a.m. TM is the music video. Yeah. Pretty cool video the way they shot it kind of in the round. Uh, Turn It On. I don't usually give the nod to many ballads, but this is a killer mid tempo ballad. Yeah. And then uh, Summer's in the Rain. It's more of a building song. So, Heavy Bones, I. I I've preached this album since the the day I got it.
1: I think what I've revealed on past podcasts is that even I kind of checked out from some of the new bands that came out that were playing this style in this time period. So as much as I was totally on board with you know doggy dog and, and uh, revenge and certain albums like that, this one I was just I, I stayed away from. I, I never checked. I never I never heard it back in the day. I don't know why I didn't bother. But then mm-hmm. uh, to interview Joel, I went back and listened to it, and it was really good. Uh, and I do like it. I think yeah. Turn it on was the song that caught my ear. I was like, wow, that's a really cool song. So I like it. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think Joel had some issues with Gary Hoey or, or something, but, you know, who knows. I think Joel's I had think... issues with a lot of people. <laughs> and I'll just yeah, I, I, I kind of
0: picked up on that, too. <laughs> I'll just leave it there.
1: Nine. Alive, you will see the master of the for me, Black Sabbath, Dehumanizer. And, um, oh, for damn. me... Okay, I never been. I've never yeah, right, right. I I've never been a huge Black Sabbath guy. I always thought Solo Ozzy was better than uh, than Sabbath and that's like a no-no in the world of metal. You can't say that. But um, so No oh, dude, I'm and, right
0: there with you.
1: And I missed and, and I I knew Dio before I knew so any of the stuff that he did in Sabbath So when this came out um, I don't know honestly I thought it was cool But I don't even think I was I don't even think I got it when it came out uh, It was years later that I listened to it And I was like oh my god this is amazing Like something about it Like yeah. that slow heavy style Of Tommy Iommi with with the powerful voice of ronnie and and the catchy melodies and stuff that he makes Uh, it's just it's a it's a slam dunk man i mean computer god after all tv crimes master of insanity i mean those songs are so good so i love that album it was probably the perfect thing to do at that point because dio was kind of getting grouped into the hair metal thing um Sabbath was kind of like going nowhere. I mean, I mean, some people like that stuff with Tony Martin, but you know, it really wasn't doing much commercially. So I think this was the only play uh, that really either of them had for any commercial success. They didn't really get any commercial success, but they put out a good album.
0: Yeah, I'll do Dio Sabbath any day over Ozzy, and I know that's also a faux pas. But that's just because <laughs> I'm such a Dio fan. I know, and and the rest of them too. I, I dig the Sabbath. 80s albums um, this album's great and I can't believe I forgot about it but I'm glad you remembered
1: yeah <laughs> uh, what do you got for 8
0: full disclosure I was gonna blow it again and put Danger Danger at 8 until <laughs> I did a
1: little more research. I thought you were gonna put one of Don Henley's on there I thought Don Henley had one in 92 we are gonna put on there
0: Oh, God, no, no, But that's why I was going to blow it on the year, and I I realized Danger Dangerous Cockroach was 93, and I was like, thank God I didn't do that again. So anyway, (laughs) I uh, made the switch. Um, 21 Guns. I got Salute, the album Salute on there. Um, This is one of those just fully polished, excellent, melodic rock, like AOR. got that kind of... They kind of go for the the fancy open t-shirt, classy vibe. They're in a nice house with pillars and whatnot, you know. Mm -hmm. The singer's hair isn't that long. So they're kind of going for that a little bit, but it still rocks. And it's got Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. Some standouts got Knee Deep, The Rain, uh, Jungle Land, and it pays off big. Um, Songs that have rain in the title always seem to be fucking killer. So (laughs) this is one of them.
1: (laughs) So there you
0: have it, Twenty One
1: Guns. I've never heard Twenty One Guns. I'll have to go back and check it out. Like I said, once again, I I was definitely checking out of, of a lot of the stuff that came out. I, I missed it, so I'll have to go back and, and revisit.
0: Yeah, the singer's voice is is squeaky, but got a great range. Like I said, he's just a little, it's a little more polished, so it's not even like a like a heavy bones. But it's got a lot more crunch to it, but still, nonetheless, good mm-hmm. guitars. Very very appropriate for this era.
1: And I just wanna let everybody know when I say that I'm gonna check it out, it's not bullshit, man. Last time when we did ninety one, I went back or no, no, I'm sorry, not ninety one. The one where we did for the two thousands. I went back and I listened yeah. to the Hardline Two and I listened to some of the Minketti. I thought both of them were pretty cool. So I do go back and listen. I think you listened to some of the stuff that I came up with too.
0: Oh I was gonna back it up too and tell you I've been living on that Ice Earth album ever <laughs> since. <laughs>
1: So good, man. Dude,
0: that thing's killer. I I remember it when it came out, and and I'm so glad that you brought it up again because that's such a good album.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So number eight. Fear of the dark, I've got a phobia. So yeah, um, I got to go with Maiden, man. I mean, I don't know if this is is their best album. I mean, some people kind of look at like uh, No Prayer for the Dying, And uh, this one, you know, maybe not high caliber with the rest of the Maiden catalog. But come on, man. Be Quick or Be Dead. It's so good. From Here to Eternity. uh, We got some simplistic stuff. That kind of stuff that you like, like Chains of Misery, uh, Judas My Guide, and of course, the the epic Fear of the Dark song, man. It's a great album. I don't care.
0: Dude, it's my only Maiden go-to. You know me. I'm not a huge Maiden guy. Yeah. But I love this album. Yeah. I didn't put it on my list, but... I definitely go to this album, I go to Maiden.
1: And I think um it's a, a step up from the production. A lot of people don't like the production of No Prayer for the Dying. So when you go to this album, I think like the production's way better.
0: Yeah. And it's you know, it's toned down. So for me it appeals. It's yeah. not it's not the gallop it's not the galloping maiden super fast, et cetera, yeah. etc. It's it's just like Tattooed Millionaire for me. It's like toned down a little bit, it's hard rock, there's some catchy stuff, so obviously it appeals to me much more than it would appeal to the heavy heavy metal fans so yeah i love this album
1: and if people go back and listen to the first couple maiden albums with paul diano they're more simplistic like hard rock metal you know i mean they're not like real crazy uh intricate the way they got you know as they progress so even some of that i think is a throwback to the early maiden yeah absolutely uh how about seven seven widowmaker blood and bullets oh nice d Cool. D and Al Patrelli. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, tell tell us about this one. Tell us all about it.
0: Yeah. So, of course, you got D. I'm not a huge, huge Twisted Sister guy, except for Love is for Suckers. I really like that album. But this album is just epic. Um, The band consists of Al Patrelli, who is in Alice Cooper and Danger Danger and Sabotage. Yeah. Found some success with a little band called Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Just a little. Um, And then... uh, but this album just contains these huge choruses. It's catchy as shit. Um, Dee's vocals are really strong. Like, I don't know that they've ever been so strong. He shows off his range really well. Um, Am I Evil, The Widowmaker, The Lonely Ones, Not Knows Kid. But there's a song called Gone Bad, and that might be my standout on this album. Um, unfortunately, they went a totally different direction on their next album. But this one is a true metal classic I think if you haven't heard it it's gonna shit all over the Twisted Sister albums
1: I think I listened I don't I definitely didn't hear it back in the the 90s but I think I went back in modern times and listened to it and thought it was good I just nothing's really you know I haven't got the earworm going with it yet but I've got to go back and listen because I love Dee's voice I do also love uh, I like I like most of their stuff. I love Love Is For Suckers, but I like the, the earlier stuff too. So I'll have to go back and, and yeah. listen to Widowmaker because D's got a great voice.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're the only one that didn't hear this album when it came out. <laughs> no, I know.
1: Well, this was yeah, it was just the way it was. I mean, D was That's associated right. with the '80s, so you know it was kind of like the you know although you know we know what happened when everybody associated with the '80s and the '90s. We know what happened. Yeah, totally. Uh, number seven, no surprise here, Ingve Malmsteen, Fire and Ice. Um, nice. I think that a lot of people love Eclipse. I've said in numerous different podcasts that I, I didn't really like Eclipse. I thought it was a weak uh, album compared to Odyssey, a little bit of a letdown. Didn't like the production. Didn't, didn't really like that much about it. Um, so... Of course, for some, well, kind of weird, right? I didn't, I didn't care for Eclipse, but I bought Fire and Ice without hearing a song, you know, just because I was an Inve guy and I saw Ingvay was on Electra <laughs> yeah. Records. So I was like, man, he must be doing something good if, if Electra picked him up. And uh, he was doing something good. So this album is a big step up. I think I uh, maybe I don't know if Goran Edmond sounds better or maybe I'm just maybe at the shell shock of losing uh, Joe Lynn Turner was over and now I could just accept Goran Edmund as he is but um, I, I was really pleasantly surprised with this one I love the song teaser. Such that like, commercial hard rock, but it's totally not right for '92. But it's still it's still good in so many ways. And then he's got the more um, you know stuff that he's known for, like "How Many Miles to Babylon," "The Final Curtain," uh, and then there's a cool ballad, i My Own Enemy." And uh, it's just classic Ingve, man. It's just typical Ingve, and it's got good production. It's it's just working. So I was really into that one. Still love on.
0: I listen I listen to this album probably as much as I listen to. It any other anyway album and that song teaser it's such a simple title in <laughs> a simple chorus yeah. but but they did such a killer job of making it huge
1: yeah and i
0: i literally like when i listen to this album i i always kick it off with that song
1: yeah That's i don't true. know why i just really really like this album and
0: i really like that song
1: yeah no i like it too man what do you got for six six nailed it this time steelheart Tangled in the Rain. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
0: you can use that. We'll allow it. Yep. <laughs> now, now I am so confident in this one. So so the first time I cranked this up with my buddy Nick, we, we were at his house, and we heard the opening lines to Loaded Mother, and we turned it off. I couldn't. Be, I can't believe, thinking back, we thought, what is this shit? And <laughs> we joke about it now because we both adored the self-title album, and we love this album now. But anyway... Um, we just like that first album so much, and it didn't sound like it at first, but it really grew on me. It's very true to form. It's a great second album. They didn't drop off in their songwriting at all. In fact, they probably matured, of course, mm-hmm. as bands do. Um, now, did you interview Tom Worman? No. The producer? Okay, so it must have been Mitch Lafon, the other, the other guy. The other guy. Uh, he interviewed Tom Worman, and when he asked him about Steelheart's Tangled and Rained, his comment was, I don't remember. <laughs> he didn't remember a, t- a thing about this album. He didn't, re- he didn't want to comment on it. He didn't remember a thing about producing these guys, which is so odd because, you know, I've seen pictures of them in the studio or whatever. But yeah. anyway, so uh, there's also the the sad story of Steelheart with the touring accident. Um, you see those the footage of him climbing that lighting truss on stage and he got an opening for Slaughter, and the whole damn thing came down on him. And got him in the head, gave him a pretty severe head injury. So they're kind of wrapped in tragedy as well, but man, the guy's still got his amazing range. If you can look at videos of, of him playing live now, and he he is Steelheart, he, he claims that he is Steelheart, which he pretty much is. He is. But, you know, some standouts are Sticky Side Up, Electric Love Child, Late for the Party, Love and Man, I'm Gone, the song Steelheart, he, he sustains the E part of Steelheart for like 20 seconds. At like a glass breaking range, so you have to check that out. And then they, they do have a, a pretty killer ballad. I'll, I'll give it another nod. It's called All Your Love. So, this album is one that I've played and, and mastered and learned every note uh, since the day I got it, except for the part when I laughed at it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this one, I, I don't know if I've ever heard it. I remember it coming out and, um, you know, for some reason just lost interest, but I'll have to go back and listen to it. I definitely like the debut. Um, but, yeah, for oh, some yeah. reason, I, ch- I checked out on this one and, and didn't get it.
0: Yep. Give it a shot. I think you'll like it. Yeah,
1: I will. Just Number six. It was just going Megadeth, Countdown it was to extinction. extinction. I don't you think this is right. good as Rust in Peace. I think Rust in Peace is probably... Their best. I like Euthanasia a lot, too. I don't know. These three are, are really good, and they're all really different, which is, is kind of funny. But, um, you know, Skin of My Teeth, and This this Was My Life. I love I think that's my favorite song on the album. Psychotron. Uh, and one thing, obviously, we, and we've got some big songs I'm not mentioning, like Symphony of Destruction and uh, uh, Foreclosure of a Dream. So Metall- or Metallica, yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Magad- well, He wasn't Metallica. Um, Magadath <laughs> obviously reached their highest commercial success with this album. So so taking a, a page out of the Metallica playbook of, of toning it down did work for them. And the w- weirdest thing, man, I went back. For the longest time, I hadn't listened to this album because I'm like, man, Rust in Peace and Euthanasia are so much better than this one. And I just stopped listening to this album, say, a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. I I put the disc in the car. Once again, I have a car that plays CDs. um, And I listened to it it for like a week. (laughs) And I was like, man, this album is really good. But the one thing that stood out to me was the production. The production is really different than the the previous album. The previous album is really clear, and you can kind of like hear everything really crisp. This has got a lot of effects on it. So I don't know if anybody that listens to this can relate to this, but this one's really loaded with processing and effects, which makes it sound a lot different. And maybe that was done intentionally to, to make it sound different. I don't know who produced this, and I don't know who produced the one before us, so I can't comment on, on the producers. But it's great, man. And you know what? The title track is really cool. And it's about, like, it's kind of against, like, get big game hunting and stuff, which is kind of a topic you never heard much about probably before or since. So, cool. No, man, he, no, he, he can really dig deep and come up with some interesting topics. That's cool. Um, it seems like every
0: year they challenge, there's, like, a, like a competition with... Them and Metallica, yeah. it, it seemed like it, maybe their albums didn't line up chronologically in, in in terms of when they released them, but they tried to outdo one another or be the giants. Um, I still favor Metallica, but it's it, like I've said before, the growl does it for me at times. But I I own all their stuff just because I had to, yeah. <laughs> but I I don't play it much, and it's not exactly my cup of tea.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally understand so, we're Number five.
0: Number five, we got my board warrant warrant with Dog Eat Dog. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's
1: hear it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, like we were saying earlier, this is what, to capitalize really on on or expand upon what we were saying earlier about bands getting a little harder, with that quote-unquote harder sound than they were, like, say, for their first, second album, especially warrant, Um this is what glam metal bands should be doing when it comes to their harder sound. Yep. You know, you got... Anything after Pole for Winger, anything after Prisoners for Europe, anything after Demons Down for House of Lords, they completely missed the mark on every album since the early 90s in terms of having the harder sound. It's like, I don't need to have Winger trying to sound like Testament for the hundredth time. (laughs) Sound like, sound as hard as you did on like Hanging On. Like, that's a fast killer riff that people that like Winger can bang their head to. Yep. So, this album was like the epitome of that. This is the perfect amount of harder edge with that melody that still allows you to bang your head. You know, you got songs like Bonfire, All My Bridges, Hollywood, yeah. Quicksand. And you notice, like, in the old days when you have to flip the tape over or there was going to be other side of the album, usually songs six, seven, eight were like, you know, one and two mm-hmm. and three. So, it, on the flip side of this album with uh, All My Bridges, or Hollywood, and Quicksand, like, Dude, come on like those are perfect songs yeah I I, I know they weren't just singles you know Machine Gun hole, hole in My Wall this and that and they were harder they had that kind of like megaphone type vibe to them but dude these songs are like perfect melodic rock
1: yeah with that harder edge I agree love this album I agree so much that my number five is also Warrant Doggy Dog <laughs> I am Got it. Yeah. I, I think this. Pro, I mean, I'm always gonna like the debut. I don't know what it is about the debut. That's always gonna be my favorite. But this is my second favorite. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do love "hole in the wall," uh, Hole, "hole in my wall," whatever it's called. Uh, Quicksand as well. One song that you didn't mention that that really has got to me uh, in, in more recent times is Andy Warhol was right. And I swear, man, if. If Collective Soul or Soul Asylum or somebody did this song for their own and had a really interesting artsy video, this thing would have been huge. Mm-hmm. It's such a unique song. Yeah. It, it totally doesn't yeah. even really it fit in like the, the hair metal, you know, hard rock genre. It, it fits more like in the alternative realm. But it, it's so cool, man. And of course, April twenty thirty one. I love what he's talking about and the different imagery that he conveys with, with what the future could be like. Some of it, we're seeing some of it today. Uh, some, some of it, hopefully, we'll never yeah. see. But, but really good. And I think he really shows off how deep he is with, with his lyrics. His melodies are great. His vocals are great. This is just like, I think this is a shining creative moment. So, yeah, I love this album. Yeah,
0: yeah, people need to respect Janie Lane's songwriting and performing ability a little bit more. when you When you really... You know, don't sign him off as a cherry pie guy, like he said famously once upon <laughs> right. a time. Like, yeah. look at look at how deep he can get. Which you know, I ain't the deepest guy, but I like the songs he writes, and they're super talented. No one can come up with this shit anymore. No. He's got a wonderful voice, and and just to compare, like the the debut to this album, check out like the you know it's called like an off hit or an off single, an album track that was the the heaviest one, and that album was like. So Damn Pretty, yeah. and then you got like an off-track album track on this album, and it's inside out. Yep. You know, and it's and, and that's like about as hard as it gets. So that's a comparison right there. I, this, this album, it, and it could have been higher, but you got some real heavy hitters coming up. <laughs> the, thing,
1: the thing that, one thing else I also want to say about it is that I feel like, you kind of touched on this when you were talking about it, is like, this is kind of where everybody should have been or where they could have been like say if grunge really wasn't even a thing and 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 hard rock and heavy metal and like in this style remain big. I mean, this is where they could have went. So when you think of like the Beatles, you know, the Beatles got to do their, you know, I want to hold your hand and then they got to evolve to the point where they got to Sgt. Pepper and we got to see all the crazy things that they were able to do musically. You know, maybe I'm not trying to say that I'm not put more in the same line as the Beatles. All right, let me just stop here for a second. But but what I'm trying to say oh, is no, they're, that they're better. we could have <laughs> we could have seen amazing growth if, if it commercially was working. Like if Doggy Dog was Uh like a a multi-platinum album. What would have the next? What would the next one have been like? And what would have other bands have done in this time period? I mean, it, it, it's kind of sad that it didn't happen because look at like Extreme, three sides of every story. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. That whole, I'm not a huge Extreme fan, but I like where they were going. And a lot of other bands could have done that stuff. What if Winger could have built off of Pole, and that was a multi-platinum album, and then the next one was even something even more creative and more heavy and more interesting? So I think that's the biggest. You know, tragedy out of this era that we never got to see these bands evolve. All we ever really got to see these bands do was either break up, try to do a grunge album, or now just try to make music that sounds like what they used to do. But they, like you said, they missed the mark. So I'm not saying that's all of them, but that's the majority of what the most of them have done.
0: Yeah, there's about two or three that actually came up with something that's decently true to form. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened, and it it is kind of sad. It's like. I wish Dawkins would have just kept it together for another couple of years, man. Can right. you imagine a 1990 Dawkins album? Oh. oh, dude, it would have been so killer. If you could have, have merged
1: so the Don Dawkins solo album with the George Lynch, um, uh, what's his name, Lynch Mob. <laughs> Lynch Mob. Good <laughs> Think of that. Yeah. I want to call it Wicked exactly. Sensation. But if you could morph those two together, I mean, because the Dockin' album gets a little bit too slow at times, you know what I mean? And if you could have just morphed that all together, you would have had a perfect album. Perfect. Oh, Totally. Absolutely agree. Well, we've got off on a major tangent. What's number four? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Number four, I got...
0: and Sinners, dump titled Love this album. This album's insane. This is the epitome of updated production. Like you're saying about where bands could have gone and where they started to go. Yeah. This is the epitome of perfect production on this album this is probably has the most crunch out of this entire class of albums i'm talking about the singer was in a band called sword and i I think i talked about them in the 86 um interview Mm -hmm. it was uh they're kind of like a cult classic little hardcore metal canadian band uh very cool um he's got one of those voices like pre-made and banshee and david reese from except it's just got that chunk that He's got that growl and that rasp, but he's got this great range. Um, if, if you need to just get totally signed off on this song, or sorry, on this album and, re- and really introduced to it, listen to Rip It Up. It's the second song, uh, Kiss the Bastard, Lesson of Love is amazing, and then We Belong is a really cool mid-tempo song. Uh, this is one of those albums that could have and should have been enormous. Great album.
1: I think I did listen to this, Per your recommendation for on something, I, I don't remember, but um, they did sound pretty good. But yeah, but once again, didn't didn't know them back in '92. Yeah,
0: and they got a cool album cover. They got Saints and Sinners written on a 1992 Viper. Oh, sweet. so <laughs> <laughs> it is <was> pretty sweet. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, nice. I, I
0: can't preach this one enough.
1: All right. So number four, man. And I gotta go. Lillian Axe, Poetic Justice. Yeah. Nice. Man, got I, it. Everybody knows. Love the axe. Back in the day, though, this this album initially was a little bit of a letdown for me because I think I liked the first two albums so much, and especially I was was really drinking the Kool Aid with uh, with Love and War. I thought that was just was great, and I still do think it's great. So oh, yeah. it was really hard. Um, I think with this album, it's, it's a mixed bag. You've got some kinda, you know, eighties sounding stuff like body double and, and innocence and true yeah. believer. I think that kinda is, is typical fair for them. But then they get kinda deep, man. They get kinda um spiritual. A lot maybe they were looking at life and, and trying to get more depth to the lyrics and I think as a kid back in ninety two, I I was probably sixteen or something and I just I couldn't relate. You know what right. I mean? I was just a kid and I just wanted to hear, you know, crazy music, I don't know if I wanted to you know, hear about deep stuff, so for some reason, I didn't connect with this right away, over the years, as I've gotten older, I can kind of relate more to where they're coming from on some of the lyrics and, uh, I mean, great harmonies, uh, sound production is just stellar, I love Ron and Steve I've, I've preached this a million times over you know, what a pairing, but um you know, Living in the Gray and some of these songs, like I said, those were ones maybe I didn't get back in the day. But when I listen to them now, man, uh, it is. It's, 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 they're trying to add a little depth to what they're talking about. It's not your typical L.A. girls and cars crap, you know, that everybody was singing about a few years yeah. earlier. So it, it's, it's, really, it's really cool, um, and it's a great album. So it's one now that I can say is really high level, I just didn't get it at the time. So if anybody else felt that way, where they maybe they didn't know that album, or, or they lost track of Lillian X after the 80s, go back and listen to this one, because you will not be disappointed.
0: Yeah, well, they were never a band that was really tongue-in-cheek, you know, short no. of like, maybe show a little love or something like yeah. that. They were always a little deeper. Um, I think I've talked to you about this song before on this album, but She's My Salvation. Great song. That That's in my like top 10 of riffs of all time. I don't know what it is about that riff, but that, that opener, dude, that thing is so it's so catchy, and it's like, the, I don't know if it's just the perfect chords, the perfect crunch, whatever it is, but that is such a sick song. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this this was the first Lillian album that I, I had, actually, because okay. I, think I, I think I found it on CD, so I listened to it quite a bit. It, I don't know it it might be my favorite just because it was the first one I got mm-hmm. I love Love and War but man this one's up there for me yeah. I love this album
1: and I forgot to mention No Matter What what a great cover man the, well, great example of yeah, how great pretty, Ron Taylor's voice is and the harmonies in that one great stuff
0: yeah and I went on a tangent with uh, Ron Taylor I don't know if you've ever seen a live video of him like in the last few years
1: uh-huh. he's doing an
0: acoustic set and they uh, they play a a track behind it on a, on a really high scream, uh-huh. and he gets all pissed and he st- he stops the music and he he does the scream himself just to show the, the crowd that he can still pull it off and <laughs> just kills it so that's a really cool video um and then he, he had that band called stiff
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: back b- before lillian yep. and dude they play a lot of lillian songs and a lot of good covers they were very talented
1: yeah he did something called low side wanna um, God, it might have even be ten years ago that they did an album, but it's more like modern rock. But me, still got his voice. It's still killer.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: What do you got for three? We're getting right down to the wire.
0: I uh, know. Okay, for number three, I got Wild Side Under the Influence.
1: Nice. Nice.
0: Yeah. This is right there with Saints and Sinners. It's probably because I, I may have bought them at the same time, but they were formerly a band called Young Guns and changed their name. Um, they were chosen to record at Van Halen's 5150 Studios. So they met Eddie. There's all kinds of stories about the band kind of encountering Eddie and getting caught kind of messing with his guitars and everything. But uh, <laughs> this is, this, I don't know, this is probably one of the the top singers, I would say, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um he's got that real catchy piercing voice that it's it's different than the one that the saints and sinners singer. Let's just say they have that rasp, but he's just got this piercing voice. Um, the guitar player went on to play with Vince Neil. I think he still does. Mm. Um, to me, there's like too many hits to even talk about on this album. In in my eyes, it would be like the first, maybe 70% of the album. And then like the last couple songs, kind of like are a marked difference. It might've been like their old songs that they had before and then a couple new ones they wrote. But if you want to go with kind of like the off hits, Heart and Soul and then Clock Strikes are the last two that really, really rock and stand out. But Hang On Lucy, Just Another Night, So Far Away, Looks Like Love. A song called Lad and Sin, really good builder. Um, this album is, is right, right up there with Saints and Sinners with me. It's perfect production, perfect era. I wish it would have been huge.
1: Mm. Yeah, another one that I skipped, but I have gone back and listened to in uh, you know the more modern era and I do like them. So yeah, no, it's a good choice.
0: Yeah, I just uh never purchase the second album. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a complete complete one eighty and you wouldn't even know that it's the same band.
1: Ah awful. <laughs> uh, one of those. All right. So number three TNT. Realized fantasy, man. You know, no, I, I love, I love the updated production. And I, I had, had something. I wrote. I'll be honest. I wrote this '92 list like a long time ago. So, and I'm just bringing this out. And I had, I had, to, I was reading this the other day, and I'm like, what am I talking about? I put Leticro-isms. This is what I have written down, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, but maybe just the, all the cool things that Ronnie Leticro does. But I got. Uh, Leticroisms is a word in here So, uh, so I got uh, hard, <laughs> nice. hard to say goodbye uh, My favorite yep. TNT song I think of all time is Easy Street I love Easy Street. It has a Queen vibe. It's such a cool, happy song. And I remember telling Ronnie that how much I liked that song, and he's like, oh, you must come to Campfire in Sweden, and I will play it for you. You know, So I'm, I'm going to hold him oh, to Tyler. that. I'm going to hold him to that someday. And uh, I love the song Rain. You talked about those kick-ass songs that are called Rain or have Rain yeah. in the title. This is one of them. Uh, this also is one of my favorite TNT songs, um, and you can really hear JoLynn Turner on the end of that one kind of riffing with Tony and it's just so many mother warned me it's just it's so many good songs i can't even explain how good all of them are but one thing that's interesting about this album if you've ever heard the interview with tony harnell they were asked they were asked to write with a um outside writer so Kind of what may have happened here is that, you know, they thought TNT was a little bit squeaky clean and they didn't have raunchy enough lyrics. So Atlantic Records wanted them to write with outside writers. Now, once again, the direction that Atlantic wanted them to go was not the right direction of where music was going. So for them to do maybe something different with some more depth with the lyrics would have worked better in this time period okay so tony doesn't really like this album that much because of that because he feels like that's not the true tnt style but for the rest of us we all love this album and uh man yeah, that's it man
0: dude uh i, I listened to that interview and I, I was bummed because this is my favorite tnt album mm-hmm. um mother warned me dude killer downhill racer rain of course yep. Killer. easy street always tripped me out dude like that was like a like you said, like a Queen song yeah. that they just kind of like tooled around and very much not uh, right there with the other no. songs on the album, but it, it stands out and it's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: love it. All right, man. Nice. Good F- choice. Glad F- you had it there. Yeah. Final two. What do you got for two?
0: All right, number two, I got Unruly Child self-titled
1: album. Okay, nice, nice. You're digging yeah, deep, so man. I, like, I feel like a lot of mine are like the heavy hitters, and you got like these rare ones, more a little more rare. I like it, I like it.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, hopefully uh, maybe if people hadn't heard of them, they'll check them out and really mm-hmm. like it. So um, you got Mark Free. He was the singer for King Cobra and yep. Signal. Guitar and the keyboard were in a band called World Trade. Very uh, AOR, keyboardy type, late 80s band. Um, Jay Shellen's the drummer. He was in Hurricane. Yep. But this is just AOR polished melodic hard rock perfection. Uh, you could tell that the singer has a history of studio work. Um, he's able to sing all the rockers, loves the mid-tempo, but you could tell he absolutely lives for the ballads. Just, <laughs> he just kills it on those. But he's great. I mean, he's got such a range. Um, on the Rise, Take Me Down Nasty, Who Cries Now?, Lay Down Your Arms, Wind Me Up, has a really cool chorus. And then there's this really cool mid-tempo called Let's Talk About Love. So um, this album just kind of has it all for me. I don't know, man. There's just, I wish that they would have played live more or have more bootlegs out there because they were so talented. And I think everything just kind of came crashing down for them. But Mm -hmm. this album I could listen to probably every day.
1: I've listened to these guys. Didn't Kelly Hansen do some songs with them too?
0: Yeah, he did a full album, and it's, it's okay. really good, it's, uh, I can't remember what year it came out, but sometime in the 90s, mm-hmm. he was the, the second singer for Unruly Child, and it's also really good, um, not quite as 80s hard rock, but it's pretty damn good. Nice.
1: Yeah, I've definitely heard these guys and thought it was decent, I'll definitely go back and, and check it out, for sure.
0: Absolutely, and on there, this album isn't on Spotify, if that's where people are going to find it, but um they have an album called the basement demos and i'm pretty sure that the, the second half of this of that album contains most of the songs on the self-titled album so cool if you feel like checking it out on spotify that's how you'll have to find it
1: number two man between one and two for me was real toss-up i wasn't sure what i was going to go with um two of my favorite bands are up in the top slots, so it's gotta just fall one way Manowar, Triumph of Steel, ends up at number two, and um, th- this one—what nice. an album! When we talk about people toning down, Manowar did not tone down. Manowar got heavier, man. So Manowar <laughs> man was kind of listening to what was going on. They they heard the thrash and all this different stuff, and they were like, "We got to step up our game." Now they added two new band members at this time too: David Shanko, which was a shredder, and Rhino Man. He's such a fast double bass drummer. Don't No disrespect to Scott Columbus, rest in peace, love him. But um, I love Rhino. This is one of my favorite, besides Creatures of the Night, this is one of my favorite drum albums because it's just got so many cool little accents and double bass and the sound quality, it's just all there. And, of course, we've got the two killer pioneers of Manowar, Joey DeMeo and Eric Adams, man, just so good. Yeah. The first track is Achilles' Agony and Ecstasy. Now, if you're really in the mood for it, you can listen to it. But it's a 30-minute track, okay? So let me just be honest with you. I don't do 30-minute tracks. Skip. (laughs) All right, so the the album starts for me with the amazing, finest cheese metal songs ever, Metal Warriors, with the line that it says, If you're not into metal, you are not my friend. So very deep lyrics. Uh, They're right on target. (laughs) I love it. But then there are some interesting things on here, like Spirit Horse of the Cherokee. I love that song. It's about the Native Americans and talking about all the different things that they went through, uh, different battles and stuff. And and it's so good. Ride the Dragon. There's a lot of weird sound effects, a lot of things that Manowar hadn't done a lot with. So they're really branching out with their sound. Longer songs, more epic songs. Power of Thy Sword has all the the, uh, clanging of the swords and everything. And one of the coolest tunes... And I want to say that Manowar was a little bit influenced by Queensrÿche on this one. I could be wrong with Silent Lucidity, but they did Master of the Wind, and I feel like that's their Silent Lucidity. Um, it's definitely like a kind of like a mystical ballad. Um, of course, has their wizard and warrior uh, isms. <laughs> Everything's about isms tonight. Uh, oh, Latino isms, War isms. Uh, it's all in there. But yeah. man, I just love that album. And, and what the sad part is for me, they never captured. Captured it again after this album. This is my the last great Manowar album for me. So,
0: well, if any band deserves their own isms, it's this band.
1: <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure, man. I have I, I
0: have all their stuff. I went on the Manowar bender back in the day, and I'll have to revisit this. This will be another good homework assignment for me, just like Iced Earth was. Because yeah. after your interview, I actually went back and started kind of scouring it all again, and it's almost like deal for me where there's just really not a bad album. Right. So right. hey, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, definitely go back. But like I said, skip the first track. Just go right past don't don't do not listen to the thirty minute track. It's just a lot of guitar winking and drum winking and you know, it's just they're just it's just a bunch of nonsense. There's there's little songs kinda in there, but for me it's just I got I gotta skip it. Gotta skip it. Okay. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, man. So this is it. The moment. You're number one. Do you have a guess? I don't. I'm completely clueless. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's
0: a, it's a band that I annoyingly talk about a lot. Oh, and it's Hard Mind. Oh, I like yeah. I, Good.
1: Cool.
0: The, the, the kings of 92, melodic hard rock yep. for me. Every, everything I've talked about in terms of production singer with an incredible voice got that rasp and that range and everything that he presents you got neil sean from journey who you know i'm not a huge journey guy but man he turns up the volume on this album dean is the drummer he's he sings uh he sings and plays drums which is very very uh amazing to be able to pull that off very impressive um it's called double eclipse this is just one of those albums that I I, I I remember seeing it in the used record bin for like a, a year, and I just thought, eh, never heard of them, whatever. Finally got it, and I just kicked myself for having not purchasing it sooner. This album is just through and through perfection. It has every style of song. It has the hard hard stuff, the catchy stuff, the mid tempos. It has a great ballad towards the end. It's got a cool instrumental. My only complaint, and I think they used it as a single, they have a, uh, Can't Find My Way and, and Change of Heart. Those are the two ballads. Uh, there's three total on the album, and, and instead of naming off all the songs that are heavy hitters that I, I would encourage people to check out, I just listed the two that I'm not huge on. The rest of them are perfect. I love this album. So they'll always be the kings of this, this genre for me, in this, this year, they, they they captured everything that is is great about 1992 and the production and the build up to this album?
1: Mm, yeah, and of course, dude, you got to mention Hot Cherie. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that that's a cover? I, I had no idea that was a cover. I I think I I didn't know it at the time when it was out, but I, I think i heard about it in, you know, later years, but the, the yeah. funny thing about Probably. this one that, that I remember is I was kind of surprised that these guys were getting radio play, because I remember thinking, like, how the hell did this squeeze through? Because at this point, we're deep into Nirvana and Soundgarden and and all these guys, and somehow, man, these guys were squeaking through getting some radio play, so so kudos to them, and kudos to the brave people at radio. They must have got paid off really good to play that song. <laughs> maybe it was the Journey oh, Connection, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I,
0: I was going to say, I think, Neil Sean slipped him a couple hundred grand and that was about it. <laughs> Gave some coke
1: or something. Yeah, get some of this. But
0: yeah, and, and they got their shot. They they opened for Van Halen on the uh, Four Unlawful Tour. So I mean, that'll expose you to about 100,000 plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they got a little exposure, a, a, a little nod. So they again were just kind of wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, dude, this is just perfection. This album, I could listen to it daily.
1: Well, my number one should be no surprise to anybody. Here we, go. here we go yes revenge <laughs> so heck, i mean this is you know come on man okay let, let, let's just get down to it let me do it okay so song for song this is not the greatest kiss album. I think a lot of us were really drinking the Kool-Aid when it came out. But it, you know, if you go back and listen to it, I think especially Paul Stanley, aside from Heart of Chrome, you know, this is tip, this is the same kind of stuff he was writing on, on some of some of the albums prior. You know, it's really not that different. The guy who's really the MVP for me on this album is Gene Simmons. I mean, Gene Simmons is back. He he's written some songs with Vinnie Vincent. They both have written with Vinnie Vincent. And I think when Gene is on. You know, you've got a really good Kiss album. Paul can carry a Kiss album. Obviously, through the 80s, had multi-platinum albums. um, But when Gene's on board and when Gene's back being the demon and being a nasty individual... Kiss is, Kiss is where it needs to be for me. You could be proud again to be a Kiss fan. You know, I mean, sometimes, don't get me wrong, I loved Asylum and all these different eras of Kiss where they looked like, you know, they were wearing their grandma's clothes or whatever. But but on the same token, <laughs> um, Kiss, Kiss had balls again. Kiss had an edge. You know, the music was a little bit heavier. Like I said, this could have been inspired by the trends in music at the time. But, you know, Kiss were wearing black leather. Simmons had uh, sunglasses and a goatee. He looked, he looked like a badass, yeah. you know? So I love it, man. And Eric Singer and Bruce Kulak are also got to be mentioned. I mean, the drums that Eric Singer does in this album is so killer. No disrespect to Eric Carr, I'm sure. Given the right material, uh, well, I know for a fact, given the right material, Eric Carr can really shine. Just look at Creatures of the Night and all the different albums that were really good with him on it. This one, Joe, is it's just it's gold. Bob Ezrin producing again and uh, mm-hmm. it's just gold man and, and the sad thing is, is is almost with the man of war this probably to a lot of people probably myself too this is the last great kiss album um it's sad that we didn't get a proper follow-up you know back in the 70s you got love gun you got destroyer you got rock and roll over you got proper follow-ups to some of their classic albums you never did you know you basically you got what i talked about a little while ago kiss trying to do grunge it's not bad but it's not what you want to hear. And even though I do think there were, I don't think this sounds like old kiss by any means. You know, you go back and listen to this and this does not sound like some of those albums I just mentioned, but I think the spirit of old kiss is there. You know, that the mindset of old kiss is there, the rawness and a little bit of balls and that kind of stuff. So is it, you know, is it like a a brother to um, rock and roll over? No, but does it, Give you that feeling of, of kiss, like what kiss is really about. Yes, so great album. That's all I can say about it, man. Like I said, Gene Simmons bringing his A game, and that's what Kiss needed. And just unfortunate times. It was ninety two, and Kiss, Motley Crue, all of them were, were just screwed at this point. So it didn't matter what they did. Yeah. So and once again, the sad thing is, is some of them really look. Like we've talked about Scorpions, Face the Heat, this album, Vince Neil, Exposed, Motley ninety four. A lot of these people. Did what some consider some of their best material warrant doggy dog? But it was never going to get the credit it deserved based on the atmosphere and the environment of music. So there it is.
0: Yeah, and I like the image they took with this album. That song, I just wanna. Yeah, that one stands out to me. I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess it's my my non deep tongue in cheek yeah. <laughs> feel for songs. But but that that song one of the cool ones. And then I know you mentioned Benny Vincent, but. He did write a number. or He had credits and a number of songs on this album, right?
1: Yeah, I think I want to say two or three. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure. I, okay. I had to go back and But he definitely, he yeah, definitely so, helped write "Unholy," which was the the first single.
0: Okay, so he kind of revamped his friendship and yeah. they kind of reconnected. And, and okay, so yeah, I mean, I dig this album. I admittedly not a huge Kiss guy. You no, know that. I, know, I don't I, mean to offend you. <laughs> no, 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 for, no offense taken. But I, uh, yeah. uh, but this album is one of those where. I, it appealed to me just by their image alone at first mm-hmm. because they looked harder. They looked like they had stepped up their game a little bit. Yep, I love it. I think it's a cool album. Actually, this is one of the ones I listen to quite a bit.
1: So nice. As
0: much as a non-kiss guy I am, I like this album a lot. So yeah. you know, I wasn't surprised it was your number one. And I'm I'm proud for you sticking by your guns and going with your boys.
1: Yeah, it was it was between this and Manowar. It was so tough, but I I think oh, yeah. I think what the thing with Manowar is they never really wavered. They, they you know what I'm trying to say. But like for this, this was a comeback. Like this was like what the fans wanted of Kiss. At least, well, I think everybody what they really wanted happened in 1996. Their guys getting back together with the makeup. But but I think yeah. you know but yeah. everybody wanted Kiss to have an edge and and uh, and be proud of the kind of music they're making. And, and I think the majority of the fans were so. So I think that's why I think the whole thing, you know, and the Revenge Tour, when you go back and you listen to a live 3, KISS were just on fire, the, the drums that Eric Singer were doing and, and what Bruce Goelook was bringing to the table. So I think if everybody looks back at the look, the tour, the era, the album, it, it's just a good time for KISS. So I think that's what pushed it above the Man of war for me. So They had some
0: pretty cool bands open for them too, right? Was that yeah. the, the Slaughter Danger Danger Tour?
1: Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, that
0: was no. That was sorry. That was the '90 tour. That, that was '90. The, no, uh, it was Danger
1: date. Danger, Great White, Trickster. I think like, all those were the bands that were filtering out. So yeah, nice bill for sure.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, dude, awesome. Um, God, I left off so many. Like some of them you hit though. Like nice Ingue, You know, um, dude, I got some giant TNT. You hit Firehouse, Slaughter, Triumph, mm-hmm. Triumph of all bands. They they have a freaking great '92 album. House of Lords. I had Lillian on there. Heart, Pretty Maid, Sahara Steel, Sleesby's, Von Group, Shotgun Messiah came out with a great second one. Yep. Tricksters, great second album. Yep. Like, dude, I'm just this. This was just such a, a such a cool year for music. So yeah, so many honorable mentions. But dude, yeah, that it was tough to to get it down to, to ten. I'll be honest, that it was. I, I can't say enough about how the the production and the value is just. I could I could live with the CDs on
1: this year. Yeah, a couple that I had that didn't make the cup but were in the original running, uh Bon Jovi, Keep the Faith, Slaughter Wildlife, Saigon Kick the Lizard, uh, Warrior Soul, Salutations from the Ghetto Nation, Testament Ritual, and mm-hmm. I also mentioned Pretty Maid, Sin Decade. I love that album so good.
0: Dude, that's such, uh, that song Who Said Money. Whew. Oh yeah. I love
1: that album. You know
0: what, what Dude, I know.
1: Oh, uh, you know what song I love off that one that's just blows my mind is uh wait a minute, it C- come on, nasty or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, oh, yeah, yeah. nasty. Come on, man. Come on, Steve, come on Nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. It's like, oh my god, but these are great, catchy songs, man. They're so good. Yeah,
0: dude, killer. I know. See, we got a good auto mention list
1: too. Yep, for sure, brother. Wow, this was this was a good one. I'm glad. I'm glad I picked Mr. 1992 to do this one with me, and and it was good because yeah, we yeah, didn't. Dude. We only matched up. I want to say once. So this gives people a lot of albums to kind of explore if they haven't heard of before
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely i hope they do and they're not hard to find anymore which is great yeah
1: and um, you can kind of
0: look up any of them on streaming spotify whatever so yep. dude yeah i'm, I'm stoked
1: that awesome. we got this together all right man it was always a great conversation man thanks for coming back on
0: yeah i appreciate it anytime
1: Well, that was great. Revisiting the year, 1992. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Rock on!